0: Hey, let's give the worship team a round of applause. They do such a great job leading us in worship. You guys are very, very blessed here. Uh, You're very, very blessed to have uh, so many uh, talented uh, people to lead in worship. Let's give the board carriers a big round of applause now. Good job, gentlemen. Good job. They do a good job. Hey, we are wrapping up uh, really this kind of little two-day piece here uh, of Ignite, Ignite. Look, kind of My part of that was to kind of take us on a journey, uh, the quest. Uh, it, we started out with uh, the quest for God's, uh, God's wisdom, which is the combination of his presence and his, his principles and his purposes applied to daily living. We talked about the quest for purity, that no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, uh, the commitment to walk in grace and truth, God is the one who makes all things new. Uh, this morning, we talked about the quest um, for relational connectedness and the difference between going through life as a marble and going through life as a grape. One is very clean, it's, one, it's very sterile. Uh, the other one is messy, you, know, you can get your hands dirty, uh, but it's what we're called to that this binding together uh, with one another in relationship. What I want to talk about in this last session uh, is really the quest for greatness. I have never been to a ball game yet where the cheer is, we're number two, we're number two, we're number two. It's just not something that people naturally do. Every, every, every cheer I've ever been to, I don't care what the sporting event, we're number one, we're number one. Uh, do, do, if you have uh, multiple siblings or you're out with friends, do they call a shotgun here in Canada? You know, so, yeah, Okay. I've got three boys, all right? It's a senior in high school, a sophomore in high school, and then Peyton, he's uh, he's in fifth grade. Whenever we go somewhere, which is rare these days because normally the senior's off doing his deal, but they all, I mean, like, it's almost like the day before, hey, we're going to go to dinner. Well, I got shotgun. You know, so we've had to put rules in place. Shotgun can only be called once you've left the house and you're on your way to the car. But this has never happened in our family never once have I seen my boys sprint to the front door only to hold it no seriously you go first no I want you to sit here that's just not a natural thing that happens to them everybody wants to be first in life everybody aspires for greatness at least I hope you do I hope you aspire for greatness, uh, for what God longs to do in you and God longs to do through you. Uh, Let me ask you another question. Have you ever had someone accidentally pocket dial your cell phone? Raise your hand if that's happened to you. How many of you actually listened once they uh, picked it up? Yeah, yeah. Could you actually hear anything? Anybody hear anything? Yeah. Those can be interesting conversations. Those can be interesting conversations. There's another actually a very interesting conversation. That occurs in scripture. It's it's actually in in Mark uh, chapter 9. And what happened is Jesus and the disciples are heading to a particular city called Capernaum. And as they're walking along the road, they kind of spread out a little bit. You know, they don't walk in like one giant group all the time. They spread out. And scripture tells us that as the disciples and Jesus are making their way to Capernaum, an argument breaks out amongst the disciples about who's going to be the greatest. And you know they're just they're jockeying for position. They're talking about you know what position do you think you're going to have in the cabinet? Here's what I think. And no one really says anything. And then it says Jesus and the disciples they actually get to the house, and they're kind of sitting down minding their own business. And then Jesus says, "Hey, uh, say what were you guys talking about along the road uh, earlier today?" And the scripture says that the disciples they were silent. I would add my paraphrase: awkward silence, the avoiding of eye contact, kind of silence, because the disciples knew what they were, what they were, um, what they were arguing about, and Christ begins by teaching them, and he says, basically, he says, "I know what you're arguing about." He goes, "But in my kingdom, there's a whole different economy." He says, "Whoever's going to be first is going to go last." And if you want to be the greatest of these, you need to become the servant of these. And and Christ, what he really began to do is he began to teach that greatness is really in being a servant. I just want to look at a couple of different snapshots from scripture. And the first one is Christ teaches the role and the position of servanthood And he says, if you want to be great, you're going to have to learn to serve. If you want to learn to be first, you're going to have to learn to go last. If you want to learn to be the greatest, you're going to have to learn what it means to to be amongst the least. And Christ really teaches that greatness in his kingdom and greatness in his economy, listen, it's 100% backwards to what the world holds highly and what the world values, Christ taught that greatness is through servanthood. In John chapter 13, it's a snapshot number two, it's a very familiar passage. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read the Bible, uh, I like to picture what would it have been like if i had been an eyewitness. If I'd actually been in the story, not one of the main characters, but off to the side, what would I have seen? Would I have smelled the mustiness of the room or the air had I been in the upper room? You read it, it's John 13. Scripture says it was just before the Passover feast and Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. The very first verse there says that Jesus showed them the full extent of his love. And the second, you know, the first snapshot, Jesus' teaching. He's teaching the role and he's teaching the position of greatness as being servanthood. In John chapter 13, uh, Jesus did it. He really did it. And what Jesus did is he served his disciples, I call it AA, in action and also in the right attitude. Both are equally important when it comes to serving. Serving involves doing the right thing. But it also involves doing it with the right attitude. Jesus modeled that perfectly. When the scripture says that Jesus knelt down to wash the disciples' feet, this is the king of kings we're talking about here. This is the maker of heaven and earth. This is is the one who As a rabbi teacher, he should have been the last person, not only in the room, one of the last people in the city to do what he was doing. He took off the outer garment and he put on the garment of a slave. That requires incredible humility. To serve as Christ serves, it mandates a sense of humility. It mandates a sense of it's really not even about me and he got on his knees and he began to wash the disciples' feet and it's really hard to be proud uh, be prideful or to be proud when you're on your knees uh, on your knees is a defenseless position uh, being on your knees is 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 a position that that God gets us to I mean eventually every knee has gone bow and every time he's going to confess, Jesus is Lord. But the invitation of servanthood is you can get on your knees and begin to serve even right now. It's, it's your willful decision. It's not something that's been mandated or, or forced to you. It's, it's this, the call that God has given us for greatness. You know, you think about this whole aspect. We talked about it earlier. It's Colossians chapter 3 verse 12. Scripture reminds us again, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Uh, I wonder if that might be part of what Christ uh, took on when he took on that garment. The other part of the scripture, it says that Christ laid aside his outer garment. You know what I found to be true in my own life? Whenever Christ has something that he desires for me to pick up, it is really hard for me to pick up what God has in store when I'm holding on to my own stuff. When I'm holding on to my own stuff, it's hard for me to just kind of add to the mix whatever the Lord might want for me to pick up and embrace myself. So the process is always, first, me laying aside my stuff so that I can pick up whatever it is that God has in store for me. It's a very important step in this whole thing of a life of servanthood is to lay aside whatever you might need to lay aside. And maybe it's insecurity. I honestly think a lot of times what keeps us from serving is just a, a basic sense of insecurity. Maybe I'm not competent enough. Maybe I'm not, I've never done that before. What will other people think? And I mean, if I take another step of faith, you know, how, is, how are people around me going to respond to that? Sometimes it requires that we lay aside insecurity to, to go ahead and pick up our confidence, which can only come in Christ. I wonder if there might be a few things we might want to lay aside tonight. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's worry. Serving is all about laying aside self and then picking up Christ. Christ. You think about this whole aspect, and then here comes the handoff in Scripture. You skip on down a little bit later. It's, it's John chapter 13, verse 12. Christ says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. And now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set for you an example that you should do as I have done for you, for I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them." And in my mind's eye, I can literally almost hear the towel dripping in the corner. The drip, drip, drip. I don't imagine there's a lot of jovial conversation around the table at that point. It says that Christ filled the basin with water. He washed the disciples' feet. You know, you you wash a towel, you wring it out, you you, you dry the the feet of the disciples, and, and then you hang it up in the corner. And Christ says, now that I've done these things, you want to live a great life? You want to live a blessed life? He goes, What's that last verse? You will be blessed. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed. If what? If you do them. It's not just cognitively thinking about them. It's actually doing them. In the third snapshot, Christ, not only did he did it, it's a baton handoff where Christ says, now I want for you. I want for you to do it. You go serve people. And Christ says, if I've served you, how much more should you be willing to serve others? In the right action and in the right attitude. And he says, if you do these things, you shall be blessed. Because that's the pathway to greatness. Here's a fourth snapshot from Scripture. And the fourth snapshot from Scripture, it really comes from Paul's letter in Philippians. In Philippians chapter 2, it's a familiar passage Uh, to a lot of us, might be new to some of us, but he says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if you have any fellowship of the spirit whatsoever, any tenderness, compassion, then make my joy complete. Be like-minded. Have the same love. Be one in spirit, one in purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. For each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. And verse five says, your attitude should be the same as that as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something that we could grasp. But he made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. That's my fourth snapshot. The fourth snapshot in the call to greatness is we are called to become the nature of a servant. There's a huge difference between doing acts of ministry and striving to become a minister. i say that one more time. Huge difference between doing acts of ministry and striving to become a minister. Angry cantankerous people can do acts of compassion, but that does not make them a compassionate person. Does that make sense? To take on the nature of a servant, listen, it has very little to do with the acts of service. It has everything to do with a person that you are becoming on the inside. It's the whole transforming work of Jesus Christ because you can't do that. You can do acts of service. We can sign up and we can go to foreign countries, we can go to Sussex downtown, we can go back to the dorm and we can do a bunch of acts of service, but that does not make us a servant. To become an actual servant is an inside job. It's something that only God can do at the core of who we are. It's when our choice is to surrender our hearts and our will and to say, God, I'm asking you, I'm inviting you to do a work deep within me that only you can do. And I'm laying aside my stuff. And the stuff might be bad. The stuff might not even be bad, but it might just be stuff I'm holding on to, And because I'm holding on to it, I'm not able to take on the outer garments that God desires me to take on. Humility, compassion, graciousness. When people aspire for greatness, sometimes we aspire for a position. Don't ever aspire for a position. Sometimes when we aspire for greatness, we we aspire with with doing certain things, just doing certain things. That's not even greatness in and of itself. True greatness, according to scripture, is when we strive to become a certain type of a person. And what scripture, what Christ calls us to is to become, to take on the nature of a servant. Again, what is a servant? A servant's all in. A servant says, all that I am, all that I have, all that I may ever hope to become, it's yours. No matter what the future may hold, Lord, I am choosing to serve you. Lord, I want you to get the fame. I want you to get the credit. I'm in on this thing. And as we wrap up our, you know, kind of our last time together here in this setting, I just want to remind you here's the thing for me personally that's still just unbelievable to me, quite honestly. I have yet to get over this, and I probably never will. I can hardly believe the fact that Jesus Christ would die for a person like me. I mean, honestly. And the reason I say that because I know myself really, really well. It's, it's literally, unbel- it is truly amazing grace. And if you sit and think about it, you should be shocked beyond belief that he would die for a person like you too. we don't stand a chance without Jesus Christ. He and he alone is the one who can make all things new. He is not only the author of life, he, he's the one who's got a path for each of us, you included, to live life, that there is no other life like living according to his design. And if that's not enough, the other part this is, that, that's equally interesting to me because I wouldn't do it this way if I were God. He invites us to join him in the task of changing the world. That's unbelievable that he would welcome just regular people, flawed, broken people like us to say, now you're going to get in on it. And that's, you know, to a certain degree, I feel like I'm talking to you know, the home team here, I mean, like the cadets, this is the Air Force Academy, this is the Naval Academy, this is, this is you know, the, the, the cream of the crop. I mean, you are soldiers preparing to be sent into battle to the front line. And I'm telling you one more time here, the, the pathway to greatness is servanthood. The way up is the way down. You'll never be able to stand greatly before other people until you learn to kneel and to bow greatly before your king. And it starts there privately and personally, and then the knee position carries into how we interact with the world in which we live. True, humble servanthood is such a rare commodity these days in society. Humility and servanthood will earn you the right to say some things, and for some things to be heard that otherwise would never be heard to the people you're about ready to minister to. It will always be Christ, but the first thing we have to do is to say, all right, Lord, I'm gonna lay this aside so I can really receive and pick up whatever it is you have for me. May not only my actions, but may my attitude help me to not just do acts of service, but to truly become a servant. And that's a transforming work only the Holy Spirit can do. I tell people, I'll never tell someone, I mean, we're supposed to love everybody, and I know that, you know, in Scripture and all the rest, and I do love everybody. But I'll never tell someone I love them unless I really have grown to love them. I've grown to love you guys over the last two days. I don't even really know you that well. But I believe in you. I believe in this generation. And I believe in your calling to truly be world changers, to really make a difference. Because I'm telling you, this great big world we live in, it is dying to know the author of life and hope itself. And you all really are the ambassadors that carry the keys. So carry them well. Bow low that you may truly stand tall. I'm gonna pray for you. And as I pray, the band can go ahead and get in place here. And what I, what I have, would like to see happen is in these next few moments, you all just talk to God. I have no idea where you are in your journey of life and your journey of uh, preparing for ministry. Um, possibly, you might need to lay aside a few a few things. Possibly, you have been doing acts of service, but you're really not working on becoming a servant. Whatever it is, this is your time for you and the Lord to uh, to respond to that. So, I want you to bow your heads and I'm going to pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, when we examine Scripture and our quest, our personal quest for greatness, Lord, a lot of times the world will paint a picture of what greatness looks like, and quite honestly, Lord, it's completely different than what you describe as greatness. So, Lord, may we um, willingly go to the back of the line May we go to the back of the line. May we be willing to go last that you truly might be exalted as first. Help us to follow your lead. Uh, You are perfect in every way. And you set an example of what servanthood servanthood looks like, not only in action, but also in attitude. But may we never settle for doing acts of service. May we strive to do what uh, Paul said and strive to take on the nature of a servant because when it's our nature, we just naturally do acts of service because that's who we are. And that involves our desire, but it involves your work, which only you can do. So Father, we give you permission. Speak to us, uh, encourage us, and help sensing us to draw near to you uh, as we really strive to become your people. We love you, we pray these things. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, speak to us and help us respond to you.